been in a series for the past several weeks called Desperate. And uh, this past week, I had a desperate moment in my life. We, I had the opportunity last weekend, uh, this past weekend, to um, spend some time as a family and go skiing. So we went up to Sugar Mountain and just had a quick getaway, last minute thing. And uh, Scott uh, Vale was so gracious to last minute fill the pulpit for me. I called him on Friday and said, hey, listen, I think we're going to be out this Sunday. Can you preach? And he goes, do I have a choice? And I said, not really. And man, God used that sermon powerfully, man. We are so blessed to have um, Dr. Scott and Kim Vale with us. And God used that sermon powerfully last week. But anyway, we, we had a great time together as a family and we went skiing. Now there's a thing, through the years, my boys have have surpassed me in everything that, um, that I've, I've done that they have done. So my boys are both smarter than ever I was. Um, they are more handsome than I ever was. Um, they are stronger than ever I was. And they are better athletes. So in every sport that they've played, I played it too. But they've already started playing way better than me. They even know that. And the other day Hayden said, Dad, there's no way no way you were ever as good of a baseball player as I was, as I am. And I was like, you know what, you're right, but I am more humble than you uh, in that. But anyway, there, there is one thing still I have on them, and that is ski. So they just learned how to ski a couple years ago before COVID, and so it's something that I was really excited to be able to show off in front of them. And so um, I did, and you know, I was laughing at them every time they fell, and they saw how fast I could go, and how, you know, I didn't fall. And was just, you know, I was just this proud moment that I can do something better than you can do um, and so forth. So we skied, but one of the things they didn't realize is I'm getting tired as we're doing this. You know, this is tiring for me. And so uh, we went down to slow and said, hey, guys, I'm going to let y'all take it the rest of the day. I'm going to go ahead and head on in and wait for y'all. Y'all ski as long as you want to. I'll just be in the lodge. Um, not realize I'm going to be in the lodge because I need water and breath and uh, just need to rest these muscles that are so worn out right now. So anyway, I ski all the way down, and uh, I mean, I really haven't really fallen, uh, like seriously, at any point in time in this, and I'm seeing other people helping them out, laughing at them a little bit, and all that kind of stuff, kind of being entertained. That's one of the things that entertains you, all the collisions and falls that people have until they get serious and so forth, and so I've come down, I, I get my skis off, pick them up, and I'm walking in that I'm going to go turn them in, and when I step off the snow onto the concrete I step onto a piece of ice and all I saw at that moment my feet were up here and I I mean they just completely came out from underneath me and I hit the ground hard and fell and there were two things that I immediately thought of one was something popped and two that really hurt and man my skis flew up and so I'm in there, and I'm, I'm like, this, this hurts, and what was that pop? And I was hoping also that no one saw it. And I was not accomplishing at that goal, because there were a lot of people saw it. I mean, it's the base of the mountain where there are two lifts, and there are a bunch of parents there watching. And there were a group of moms that saw it, and as moms do, they immediately ran over to ask me if I'm okay. And you were talking about an embarrassing moment. I'm fine, I'm fine. And I begin to get up and I realize what popped. My shoulder has popped out of socket. I've dislocated my shoulder and I can't even get up. And I have to have these moms help me up. 
It was so, it was such a moment of just despair and embarrassment and desperation uh, in that moment. In Mark chapter 10, we encounter a man that lived his entire life in a moment similar to that. His entire life where he is dependent upon other people. His entire life is hindered by his fall in a sense, his slippage, his problem in life. His entire life he has lived with, in a sense, a dislocated shoulder of life and is dependent upon everyone else in his life. And then he meets Jesus. Jesus changes everything for him. Draw your attention to Mark chapter 10 and stand in honor of God's word. Verse 46, this is Mark's last miracle that he records in his gospel. And quite a miracle it is. In verse 46, we read this, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, and, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, and son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. You can be seated. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. For the last time in his life, many days before this, Jesus had set his face towards Jerusalem, that he had set his face towards the cross. And so from that point forward, Jesus' is teaching really leans in on telling his disciples of what's next, that I'm going to the cross, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to lay my life down. And it's a lot of the narrative that goes on in Jesus' time with his disciples. And there, are, there is also at the same time a massive crowd following Jesus. So he is, he is headed to Jerusalem for the last time. Not on the right to the Jerusalem, but a pit stop off to the side is this town of this historic town of Jericho. And Jesus makes a trip to Jericho. And in that trip to Jericho, two remarkable things happen. Two encounters are made. As we come to verse 46 of chapter 10, though it's not recorded in Luke, one of those encounters has already happened, or not recorded in Mark. One of those encounters has already happened, and that is the encounter with Zacchaeus. So Jesus has spent the day with Zacchaeus. And here in verse 46, we see that they're leaving the town of Jericho. And the next encounter happens right here with this man. And here we have Mark's last recorded healing of Jesus. The crowds were at the peak in Jesus' ministry. After three years, Jericho had never received a visit from Jesus. So all of this reputation and all of these things that they had heard over and over and over, they were thrilled to finally have their opportunity to have Jesus come through their town. 
And we know in the story of Zacchaeus how big that crowd was because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He had to climb the tree in order to see over the crowd. So there's a massive crowd of people and excitement in that place that day. So lots of people following Jesus. And all we know of what happened in that day is that Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. It changed Zacchaeus' life. And as he's leaving, this encounter happens right here with whom we're introduced to as Bartimaeus. And all we're told about Bartimaeus is that he is blind, begging, and sitting. We do know his name though, Bartimaeus, which is not really all that exceptional name. Bar means son. Timaeus we see is his dad, so it's simply his name is son of Timaeus. That's all we know about him. But it would be anticipated that likely Bartimaeus had been blind for a long time. He was certainly known by others to have been named. There are many people Jesus healed that were not named, but Bartimaeus was known Likely that day was like any other for Bartimaeus, being blind. By this point in his life, he had probably figured out his pathway and was very familiar with it. Probably got up that morning and wherever he was, got up and began the pathway that he was so familiar with. Probably to a place in point that he, he, he knew where he was going and he could sense by sound what was around him. You know, he would, he would put his hand on the side of that wall. He would know the doorpost. You could probably see his hand had worn out a part of the doorpost or a pathway along the wall of the buildings that he would walk by as he would come to the place where he would come every day to sit down, take his spot at the gate, the, crowded, the, the crowdest place in the city where he would, he would beg. But something was different for Bartimaeus that day. This man who had... Built his life basically depended upon others, people. Blindness in that day was a lot different than it is today. Braille wasn't invented. And, you know, one of the things we have in our culture and society is that we want to help and uplift people who are impaired or handicapped. And so there are a lot of things we try to do to, 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 to help them with that impairment. In that day and time, there was not any of that. The help you would get would be by simply giving something. So a person who was lame or a person who was paralytic or a person who was blind or deaf was really stunted in life. And so Bartimaeus couldn't work normal jobs. He couldn't read. He'd never been taught to read and write probably. He couldn't be a farmer. He couldn't be a shepherd. He couldn't be a carpenter. He was left to all that he was able to do here. And what we see him doing in this story is begging. He's left dependent on the generosity of other people. He's left his only job, which I'm sure it was a job to get out there and whether he had a sign or whether he had a bucket or, or something like that, just to beg from people and dependent upon what other people would give for him. Bartimaeus is like so many that we've seen. You know, you, you, you recognize some people after a time at the corner where you stop who are there on a regular basis. It's become all that they are and all that they can do. It's to beg. So Bartimaeus is in that situation. A day like any other day, but there was something different that I'm sure he sensed. You see, his blind, sensitive ears noticed something different on this day. There was, there was a little bit more hurriedness about it. There was a little bit more buzz. There was a little bit more excitement in the air that Bartimaeus probably felt and heard he he heard chatter here and there and, and likely as it's coming to this place in point in time where we're introduced to him in the story he senses there's a lot of people here what is going on he probably begins to think to himself and so he probably grabs the coat of someone very briefly and said hey what's happening the person said something Bartimaeus 
had probably been anticipating for some time. Jesus is here. I have that assumption because of the way that Bartimaeus responds to Jesus in just a moment that he was no stranger to Jesus. Jesus' reputation was massive at that point in time. The excitement of Jericho tells us Jericho knew of Jesus. I wonder if the thought had ever crossed Bartimaeus' mind. I wonder if he had ever heard the stories of people being healed, of the man that They brought Jesus in through the roof that was paralyzed of the man that Jesus spit in his eyes in a sense. A man that he put mud in his eyes. I wonder if Jesus, if Bartimaeus was aware of those things and had thought, man, if he ever comes here, if he ever crosses here. And that day was that day for Bartimaeus. It had finally arrived. He's here. This is Bartimaeus' opportunity. This is his opportunity to get out of his blindness, to get out of his begging. And so as Jesus passes by, as Jesus comes along the way and is leaving the the city, which this would have been at the gate of the city where Bartimaeus probably sat every day of his life begging. There was probably a spot marked out that Bartimaeus had the shape of his body as he would sit there, and Jesus passes by, and Bartimaeus resorts to the only thing he knows. The only thing that Bartimaeus knows has ever helped him in life. The only thing he knows to do is beg. And so that's exactly what he does as he senses Jesus is coming by. And he says, Lord, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out. He shouts out. Begging to the max. Crying pitifully. Chanting to the top of his lungs. Desperate and frantic. He'd been waiting for this day since he'd heard of Jesus. And here it is, and he is desperately begging Jesus. Look at the response he receives. Verse 48 says, Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. What happens here is the crowd was embarrassed. It says they rebuked him and tell him to be silent. Our translation of that is they they told him to shut up. Stop. You are embarrassing us. You are humiliating us. Stop asking this great man to do something for you. We're trying to impress this man. We're celebrating a king. Haven't you heard us shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna? We don't need you ruining this moment for us. The crowd treated Bartimaeus so often the way that we treat our shame. Hide it. It's exactly how we treat our own brokenness our own problems, our own mess. The same way the crowd treated him. 
We hide it, we cover it, we're embarrassed of it. We shield others from it as much as possible. We deny it. We pretend like it's not there. We're embarrassed by it. We also do that in other people, that when we ask people how they're doing, we really don't want the real answer. We want the the canned answer of doing fine, been doing great, could not be better. what we want to hear people say. We don't want to hear, man, my life is awful. I'm hurting. I can't stop sinning. I'm broken. I'm in pain. That's, that's, that's not what I asked. I asked you how you were doing. In fact, we do this spiritually too. We have this spiritual manner that we do this. Where we, where we think of Jesus and we, we think of things of religion and think of encounters with God that, that we need to put these things behind us. We, we, need, to, we need to cover these things up. We, we need to come to worship with our best. We, we need to come and, and we need to put on our, our best before Jesus and, and offer him our best. We need to come with our Sunday's best. Not with our trash and not with our mistakes and not with who we really are. Jesus doesn't need to see that. We're here to honor him and, and show reverence and respect to him. And so we do that by giving him our best and denying our worst and ignoring our worst. We come in here and we act as though we have it all together. And we pity those who don't. We pray for those that don't. But me, I'm good. Had a great quiet time this week. Had a wonderful journey. I've done this and this for this person and so forth. What we're doing is acting just as Jericho did. Bartimaeus strikes us. Because this man says to Jesus, I'm broken I've got things that I need your help with. I'm desperate. I have no one and no way. You are the only one that can help me. He, he is begging and he is shamed and he is rebuked for that. Bartimaeus shows us two things about himself that I think are really important in his begging. One is that he is pitifully aware of his condition. Bartimaeus is, is aware that he's blind and he is aware that he is broken and he is aware of how, how much of a mess he is in. Unlike so many who are in spiritual darkness and who are in denial, he knew what his problem was. He saw his blindness. He saw what Jesus could heal and fix. To truly confront sin within us is a devastating experience. To truly, truly face our brokenness, to truly face our mistakes and failure is an experience that none of us want to go through 
And you know what? We kind of have made religiosity and for lack of a better way of saying it, Christianity and churchianity where you can completely avoid it. You don't have to deal with it. We're going to talk about great things and good things. And the goal of the church is to make you feel good when you leave. That's a wonderful thing to feel good, but not everything in this book makes us feel good. There are things that we need to confront and deal with. It's a devastating experience to come face to face with your depravity and your humanity and your brokenness. And when other things break you, but it's an experience that brings grace. Because listen very closely to how Jesus responds to this blind beggar. Verse 49, Jesus stopped. Mm. And he said, call him. Jesus stops, which is actually quite remarkable because Jesus was in a hurry. In verse 32 of chapter 10, we see that Jesus was walking ahead of the disciples. He was on a mission. He was on a pathway. He was headed to the cross. He had a big week, the biggest week of his life that he was about to face in Jerusalem as he was betrayed and tried and crucified and would resurrect, raised from the dead. Jesus was determined. He was walking fast hard-headed to Jerusalem, but here at the begging and shame and brokenness of this blind man, he stops. Christ rejoices to meet such clear self-understanding in this man, and listen, and in you. Christ is not listening so much at your best. He is not impressed by your good parts and your wonderful parts. He he is not going to work and act and feel as worshiped by you and me when we just simply bring him our best. He didn't come for your best. He came for your worst. His ears are attentive and his eyes are on those things. Bartimaeus sees his awful condition, his blindness, but he also sees something other remarkable. He sees into the person of Christ. He has an incredible insight into who Christ is. Bartimaeus, notice what he says. He cried out in verse 47, Jesus of Nazareth. He knows his name. He knows where he's from. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then in verse 48, They tell him to stop, and he continues on over and over and over. Jesus, son of David, son of David, son of David, son of David, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy on me. This is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is referred to as the son of David. From Mark's record, Bartimaeus is the only one he shares that called Jesus the son of David. The the statement son of David is equivalent to being called the Christ, the Messiah. It leans into all of the messianic prophecies of Jesus. But by voicing David's name, it increases and loads the royalty and nationalistic ideology behind the Messiah. From an outsider's perspective... From an outsider of the disciples, this is a remarkable statement to make of Jesus. Especially from a man 
who we know has never read with his own eyes any sort of Old Testament scroll. Can't see. It's remarkable that he would say no other onlooker has interpreted Jesus with such messianic language and such prophetic language. So he is either flattering Jesus or attempting to flatter Jesus by, you know, no one else called you this, but I'm going to call you this because it might stop you and impress you. Or he's recognized something that no one has said yet. It's unique that after this moment, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem and he fulfills the prophecy of the son of David. But this is the man that lets it out of the bag. He understands something of who Jesus was. This is not just a healer. This is not just a teacher. This is the son of God, son of David, the king of kings, the one who is to reign, the one who is promised in the prophecy of Isaiah that will reign on the throne of King David. And he kept saying it over and over and over because he is keenly aware. He sees who Jesus is and he is aware of his own need. There are a lot of things that this man could not see. But what he saw that day changed everything. He's blind, he's begging, and he's sitting. What a pathetic, pitiful nature that he was in. He was sitting. I mean, if he's planning to be there all day, you're going to sit down. You're not going to stand up the whole day, but... I think sitting is not just the state that he was in. This is more of a condition that he was in. This is where he was in life. He was stuck. He was going nowhere. He had his place and he was to sit there every day and that's all he could do. The condition of his blindness had paralyzed his life. The condition of what was broken in him had paralyzed his life. And whether we realize it or not, so does the condition of brokenness in me and you. It paralyzes us. It sits us down. It keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from having a relationship with God. It keeps us from spending eternity in heaven because of the brokenness of our sin and the condition of our sin. We're literally stuck, destined for an eternity in hell. But even also in our life, we're stuck with our brokenness where it stops us. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's pain that we've experienced, or maybe it's, it's some of us who, who, who struggle with something in our life, whether it's a temptation or a habitual sin in our life or an addiction or a pain that's been caused on us or anxiety or depression or, or homelessness or an illness. We're, we're stuck. We're just sitting in it. We can't get out. And we're, we're not moving forward. We're not progressing we're just here, resolve. The condition that Bartimaeus was in is a condition that all of us are in. A spiritual blindness that we're stuck in. A spiritual death that we cannot get out of. But you know what's worse than being a blind beggar sitting, not knowing that you are one? We need to open our eyes who we really are. And look to who he is.
Bartimaeus encounters Jesus, and the moment he encounters him, everything changes. At meeting Jesus, as Jesus stopped, we see an immediate change. It tells us that he threw off his cloak. He was invited by this crowd. Take heart, get up. He's calling in verse 50. He throws off his cloak, and he sprang up, and he came to Jesus. Jesus asks him a question. What do you want for me to do for you? And he replies to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Calls him rabbi, which is a, a phrase that the disciples called him regularly and other people called him, which means teacher. It's an endearing sign of respect for a person that you uh, see as a teacher and as a leader. And disciples called him that. But the request he makes is very simple and very bold. Let me recover my sight. Here's my problem, and I'm asking you to fix my problem. And in verse 52, at Jesus' word, it happens. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I love the formula that Jesus has for healing people. There is no formula. Jesus does it according to his way and his will. He has healed blind people before. This is a unique one. He just says, you're good. And immediately his eyesight comes back. Immediately it's changed. Look at what changes about him. He goes from being blind to seeing. This man has never seen anything. He's lived his life in darkness. And all of a sudden he can see. Can you imagine what that must have been like? To have been born from a dark womb into a world that's dark. And he's never experienced it. And he can't see. And all of a sudden... He goes from darkness to seeing light. And what is unique about that is he's not just seeing light. He is seeing and looking at, as he sees light for the first time, he is literally looking at the light of the world. How remarkable. Blindness to light. Darkness. And he's got it back. Shows us very simply this. Jesus I mean, if, if you can dis- decipher anything from this story, just, just take this away. Jesus can fix our problems. Simple as that. Jesus can fix our problems. He brings him his blindness. Jesus heals his blindness. Jesus can fix your problem. The problems that plague us and shame us do not plague and shame Jesus. The problems that we are afraid of, the problems that we are hiding from, Jesus is not afraid of. You can take your brokenness and fix it. Take what is broken to him and he will fix it. Take your broken life and your sin to him and he will fix it. Take your sickness to him. Take your worries to him. Take your anxiety to him. Take your habits to him. Take your addictions to him. Take your shame and your guilt to him, and he can fix it. But it's not just that Jesus fixes it. You see, Bartimaeus sees. But what he's seeing is more important than just that he is seeing. There is something in this for all of us. There's so much beyond your blindness, your issue, You'll never see past or beyond it until you take it to Jesus and trust him with it. There is so much more. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Seeing him. What you and I may not realize is that the problems of our life and the brokenness of our lives are also the avenues through which we can see Jesus the clearest. Mm. When you let him in to the dark parts of who you are, you see him in a light that you've never seen before. When you confess and admit to him those parts, when you let him have those parts, it provides a lens to see his light in ways you're never going to see that light in just religious activity. I'll be honest with you. You're not going to even see that in just like a song that we sing together or an, a, a, an act of service. It's when we let him into those dark parts. It's when we lay it out before him. Here's my blindness. We see him in a light of who he really is. He goes from blind to seeing. He, he goes from begging to believing. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Faith is the avenue. Bartimaeus asked him and he believed him. Jesus acted. What a picture to how our blindness is solved. Jesus is the solver. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the fixer. And we access that by trusting in him. We are born into spiritual blindness. We are destined for depravity and we are destined for eternity in hell. And Jesus, through his cross, offers the solution and salvation. And we receive that through faith. Our faith in him heals us. And it's no different for whatever you're facing. Your trust and your faith in him brings healing. You remember the story of, it's not too many days before this, that Jesus encounters a man who has a demon-possessed daughter. There's this whole issue of the disciples uh, who can't heal her. And, and Jesus says, man, if you believe, she'll be healed. And then the man says, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. It's our faith in him, our believing in him, our trusting in him is, is our way through. He goes from begging to believing, from blind to seeing. And then look at this last part. We see it here in verse 42. So he, he immediately recovers his sight. And notice this, and followed him on the way. When we met Bartimaeus, he was blind, begging, and what? Sitting. When we leave Bartimaeus, what is he doing? Following. This guy goes from being a begging, blind sitter to a seeing, believing follower. He goes from nowhere in life, stuck in life, to following Jesus. He goes from his purpose is resolved to just be this and do this. A blind beggar sitting. All he can do, the best he can do, the only thing he could do to help himself 
is to ask people to help him. He is so stuck and meaningless and pointless in life. Can you imagine the agony that Bartimaeus had to go through every day as he drug himself up off the bed and crawled and felt his way back to the place that he was resolved and nothing would ever be different for him? You know, I bet you can because some of you feel that way in life. That there's nothing you can do. You're stuck. You're where you're at. What's the point? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? See, that's what Jesus gives us. Purpose. All of a sudden, this man has a purpose, and he has a reason. And can you imagine all that we saw? We don't, we don't know. All we know is he followed him. Where was he going? Immediately in verse chapter 11, he's going into Bethany, which is into Jerusalem. Bartimaeus has never seen anything in his life. And do you know what the first thing he sees? He sees everything that Jesus goes through that week on the cross. Bartimaeus is there as everyone's shouting Hosanna and Jesus is riding in on that donkey. Bartimaeus is there the temple daily with Jesus. Bartimaeus is probably outside the room. We don't know. Maybe even Bartimaeus was helpful in trying to get everything that was needed for the Lord's Supper that night. Bartimaeus saw it. Bartimaeus was there in the courtyard as the crowd shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Bartimaeus was likely there on Golgotha watching the man who just a few days before healed him. Bartimaeus was part of the group who saw the resurrected Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind that Bartimaeus was part of that group in Acts chapter 2 that was praying and worshiping when the Holy Spirit of Jesus fell upon that place and the church was begun. His life had a meaning and a purpose because of Jesus. That's what Jesus does for us. He fixes our problems. He changes our lives. He takes us from begging to believing and from sitting to following. He gives us an up-close look. I want to tell you two things you and I need to do with this message and with this story of this blind beggar. First thing is this. We have a choice what we say. We have a choice to say what the crowd said. When Jesus came and the crowd heard Bartimaeus, what was the first thing they said? They rebuked him and told him to shut up. Jesus says, call him. And listen to what the crowd says next. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. That is evangelism. This crowd immediately goes from being pushing away Barnabas to bringing him in. 
There are blind people all around you. We are living. This church sits in a community of blind people. You work in an office of blind people. You live in the neighborhood of blind people. Students, you go to a school with a school full of blind people. Some of you are part of a family full of blind people. And you can either shun them and judge them, or you can reach them and tell them, hey, get up. He's calling you. He's calling you. There are two types of churches. Which one are we? There are two types of followers of Jesus. Which one are you? And the second thing that we need to do, we need to cry to him just like Bartimaeus did. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You and I need to stumble to him and tell him what you want him to do. For some of you this morning, it is to take my darkness, my sin, and give me life. And for others of you this morning, it is, Lord, you have already given me life, but there is still darkness in me. There is still sin in me. Help me. Jesus was passing through Jericho. It was chance. It just happened to be. It was a unique moment for that city. It was a a life-changing moment for Barnabas, for Bartimaeus. Jesus never went that way again. It was the only and last time. Had Bartimaeus not responded, he would have never had another chance. Had Bartimaeus not been begging and blind and desperate, he would have never had another chance. Because that's the only time Jesus passed through. That's the last time Jesus passed through. Listen, Jesus is passing by today, right now. He is passing by your life. And for some of you, he has made you aware of your blindness. This may be the last time. Call out to him. Lord, save me. Above all of our song and all of our religion and all of our acts that we've done today, above even this sermon and above all of the things that happen here as Christians today, Jesus is listening for that more than anything. Lord, mercy on me. You tell him that today. You give him your life. Be saved. Be follower of Jesus. Will you give him your sin? Be healed. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for passing by, that you are near to us and that you listen to us and that you rejoicingly respond to our need. I pray for those this morning in this room that don't know you, would you save them? I pray for those myself this morning We are broken inwardly. Would you help us? 
May we be as desperate for you, Bartimaeus. Jesus is passing by. He is is moving by your life. And for some of you this morning, you need to place your faith in Jesus. You need to be saved. This could be the last opportunity, the only opportunity you're allowed. It is not by chance that you are here. It is not by chance that Jesus is calling you. I'm here today to tell you Jesus is calling you. Get up. Get up. Tell him what you need. You can do that right where you're at. Tell him what you need. Tell him, Jesus, I need to be saved. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. Come into my life, Jesus. Tell him that. He will answer that right now where you're at. He will save you and change you. He will transform and change your life. He will make light in your life. Tell him that. If you'll pray that to him, if you'll tell him, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. He will save you now. Others of us in this room, we've already been saved. We've given our life to Jesus Christ, but we have not given him everything. There is still brokenness in your life. There is still sin in your life. For some of you, it is pain you are carrying. For others of us, it is sin that we are carrying. Give it to him. Jesus, help me. Call it out. Confess it to him this morning and ask him to help you. Ask him to change you. Jesus, we thank you for answering, for working, for taking blind beggars like us and changing us. In Jesus' name we pray.